0: friends all over the country thank you for taking the time to be with us today we are an exciting part we're in the book of ephesians part 10 did you think that a six chapter book would have 10 parts to it it could be a whole lot more but we chose to broke it break it down into parts where you could dissect it and and to bite it bit by bit at a time and today we're going to be into an exciting topic uh not only an exciting topic but sometimes a much debated topic uh sometimes a topic that kind of goes counter to the culture of today, um, of what we generally tend to think of in today's worldly culture. And so some of the things that I say to some of the people under the sound of my voice in 2022 may sound antiquated, uh, it may sound out of date, it may sound uh, anti cultural but it is biblical. And so we have to follow God as opposed to the culture. As the disciples said, it is better that we obey God rather than man. Amen. So we're going to start today in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. Uh, And the topic for today is going to be called power couples. Why do we call them power couples? In in, In our culture, we often have Famous people that marry, and oftentimes, when those famous people marry, are people with a lot of influence and able to get a lot of things done through their merger, and they now call those quote unquote. Power couples. But God was the first person to come up with power couples. He, he created Adam. And after Adam, he brought out of Adam's rib uh, a woman and he brought him to her to wife and he put them together. And he did that with a strategic purpose in mind. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. When he gave man an agenda, it was assumed that man would procreate, that man would reproduce and that man would carry out God's agenda in the kingdom and in the earth. So marriage is a very vital building block in the kingdom of God. Marriage is an important building block. Family is a very important building block in the church. And now as Paul is telling us how we should conduct ourselves in the church, he is talking uh, and first starting with wives and going into husbands, and he reads it such as this. If you'd like you you read that with me. We're going to read a few verses, and we're going to go all the way to verse 24, and then we'll stop for a second. Ready? Read. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. It's getting quieter and quieter. Let's read that again. All right, let's read that. Uh, Read it with a little oomph. You ready? For the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Let's go to verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also, also wives must submit to their husbands in how much? Everything. Some things. What they, what they agree on. What they feel is right. What's that last word Paul, Paul left up there? Everything. Can everybody say that? everything. Now, we're going to cover that in a second, and I, I, I appreciate her honesty. She said some things, and that's, the, that's be honest, that's how, how most women feel, because they don't understand submission, and we're going to do some teaching tonight about submission, and I, I appreciate at least one honest person in the building of, of how we feel, some things, but we have to go with the word, and, and, and what we're going to look at is that God has placed order in society for a purpose he's placed order in society to order it and to function it what if everybody was the police what if everybody were the firemen what if everybody held one position well then nothing ever would get done in organizational society which means that although that we may have an equal worth or we may have an equal value guess what we don't all have the same roles and if we do you have what Chaos. God. God created order in the world, and He created that for a purpose. And it also represents the Godhead itself. Did you know that the Godhead itself represents unity? For the Father and the Son and the Spirit are co-equal and co-eternal in nature, meaning that they are all God, three in one. But at the same time there is submission in the Godhead for the son submits to the father and the spirit submits to the son they're not trying to run over one another but they work in a perfect unity and a harmony with one another and that's how God designed it to be on the earth and in the earth Uh, the father and the son are uh, co-equal co-eternal and they are of the same essence but in order for order to go forth somebody has to take the authority or the leadership role so the father is the, the the leader, so to speak. They all have authority, and so one is not more important than the other. We're going to prove this through scripture. Go to Philippians chapter two, verse five. We not, may not read all of it, but Philippians chapter two, verse five. If Let's read that together. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That's all we need to read right there. As you see, Jesus himself is God. He said, I and my father are one, but you don't ever see Jesus trying to tell the father what to do. You don't ever see Jesus telling the father, uh, if you just listen to me, things will go better. You don't hear that, do you? That although they're co equal and one is not more important than the other, that God has put order in society, that He has an order where things what? Flow. And if you reverse the order, it's not going to work the way that you want it to work. You can look at I'm going to give you these scriptures and you can look at them later. John fourteen twenty five through 26. John uh, 1 Corinthians. Well, she's already got it up there. Let's read it. Uh, let's read that. You ready? All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit coming and saying he will not testify of himself. He's not coming to boast for himself. He is coming to make testimony of me that although we are equal in nature, each person plays a different part on the team. And if somebody else is taking the position, well, it doesn't work. I don't know how much you know about football, but I know you've seen enough to know that there's a line of people there. And there's this guy, he's called a quarterback. And the quarterback is there, and his job is to get the team to work together to advance the ball down the field. What happens if the offensive lineman that's supposed to be blocking for the quarterback decides that he wants to throw the ball and he doesn't stand in his place to block? Well, then nobody goes anywhere. Well, he says, well, I'm just as smart as the quarterback. As a matter of fact, I'm smarter than the quarterback. I have to tell the quarterback what to do all the time, so I should really be in the head. And he goes back there to grab the ball. Well, then the whole team loses because they don't realize that your worth has nothing to do with your position and your authority. That we can have different roles and the same goal, and have to function according to the will of God. God set these orders and rules in place for advancement. So the first thing we need to do, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 28. Go ahead and pull that up. Let's read it. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. You see that the Son himself, Jesus, is still our Savior. The Bible says that in the name of Jesus, every tongue will bow, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess in earth, under the earth that Jesus is Lord. He's in charge to the glory of God the Father, but he is still submitted to the what? Father. Let's keep going. John chapter 12, verses 47 through 49. Let's read it. He says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. These are the words of Jesus. Keep going. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept the words I've spoken. The very words I have spoken will condemn them on the last day. Keep going. For I did not speak on my own, but my father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. It is the mark of a good leader never to ask anybody to do something that they themselves do not do. So when God asked the wife to submit to their own husbands, he is not asking them to do anything that he himself, through the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, has not already what? Done. So submission is not, and, and it, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around because God is way beyond our human comprehension, too far for us to fathom uh, of how things should work. But the first thing we need to realize is that submission is not a stronghold, but submission is a strategy. Everybody says submission is strategy. The word submission in this text is hupostasso, and hupostasso is actually a military term. It literally means to hold and rank underneath or to or willfully to submit or hold back in order for things to happen. Brandon, come here. Brother Bob, come here. Brother Dave, if you come here real quick. Brother Dave is going to be the devil right now. Brother Dave is going to be the devil. Stand here, Brother Dave. And, and I've got my two soldiers right here. Now... At the same time, we've got people right here in the same row and Brother Dave's trying to get me. So what I do for protection is I submit myself. I willfully put myself behind them. Now that doesn't mean they're more than me, but what it does mean is he's gonna have a hard time getting to me because I'm behind and I have willfully submitted myself in line behind somebody who's protecting me. But what happens if I say, I feel like I should be the head. Now where's my protection? So when the wife decides, I'm, I'm smart, I got a college degree, <laughs> I'm smarter than him, and I can do this more than him, and he says, you ought not do that, and she actually does what she wants to do instead of following what God has put a place over her, what does she just walk out from under? Protection. Because God has an order and an authority. And, what, and it doesn't mean that, that I'm smarter than Brandon or Brandon is smarter than me, but God has an order, and for that order, he set up what? Divine what? Protection. He set up a system in place. And when I rebel against that system, I'm rebelling against God. I'm telling God, I know more how I should go than you do. Guys, you can have a seat. I might need you in a second. Stay close. (laughs) Submission is a willful act. To accomplish a greater goal. In other words, I'm, I submit, ladies, when we submit, and I'll we'll, t- tell you to take note that Paul said in the earlier verse, submitting ourselves to one another or to help one another or to put the other person before us uh, out of reverence and respect for Christ, but we're on the same mission and the same goal, and when we get out of line with what God has set up, disaster follows. God told Adam to sit in the garden uh, and, and to be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to give you a woman to make you happy. I'm going to do all these things to make you happy. And what does Adam do? It wasn't the fact necessarily that she was a woman. It was the fact that God left him with authority and in charge and he's allowing somebody to speak for the family unit. That's not in what? He's allowing somebody to make decisions for the family unit. That's not what? They're They're not her decisions to make. God told Adam, don't eat from that tree. I've given you dominion. Everything, not over people, but over things. And everything I tell you, that you name it, it will be. You have dominion and there's an authority set up. But what happened when Eve decided that she knew more, in other words, she gave it to her husband who was with her, which means he's already abdicated his responsibility, which means that instead of standing up and being a man, and saying, no, you can't do that because God said I can't do, you can't do that. I don't care if you're mad at me. I don't care if you're upset with me. But as for our house, we're going to do what God said. Adam looks and says, she sure is pretty, Lord. <laughs> She's going to be mad at me if I tell her not to eat this fruit, Lord. And he lets her do what she wants to do. Or he might have been married to, to an American type woman where he said, Lord, I don't want to hear her mouth because she's, yeah, 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 I don't want to hear it. For the sake of peace, I just let her do what she wants to do. And because he would not stand up and be the man that God was calling him to be, disaster ensued because his job was to protect. And he said, I will make a what? Helper, not a ruler, a helper suitable for him. Both of them switched the roles. She's supposed to be helping. She's not supposed to be leading. And he's supposed to be ruling. He's not supposed to be taking orders. And because they switched those roles and those positions, now sin enters the world. But I submit to you that submission is the willful act to accomplish a greater goal. God had a greater goal for them. And had they sat in their roles, Eve wasn't any better than Adam. And Adam wasn't even any better than Eve. It had nothing to do with who had more value. They were both in the imago day in the image of God. But God has set an order for their good. And when they decided they knew better than God, things went topsy-turvy. Have you ever wondered why we have more divorce in America and the world than we ever do now? But we have the most liberated, quote-unquote, society that we ever have? Maybe it's because we're stupid. Like my grandmama would say, you're so smart, you're stupid. We know what we're doing. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. But what about the Bible? Don't worry about that. This is what the TV says. This is what popular culture says this is what politics says this is it these are my rights and these are this and that and next thing you know there's no order and when there's no order the bible says he says be careful for your enemy the devil he comes out like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and when there's no submission there's always fighting where there's always fighting there's divorce and now the children that you were designed to protect and the children that you were designed to raise for christ now they're living in a broken home because people didn't know how to Stay in their... Who's? thank you. Women trying to be men and men trying to be women. Taking each other's place. Submission begins on the inside of a person with the will. In other words, you can't make somebody submit who's not submitted. You can try to forcefully submit, and I believe I told you this story. This woman had a child who wouldn't sit down, and she said, if you don't sit down, I'm going to scald you, and he said, I'll sit down. I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's very, it's very possible to want to do something when somebody's watching, but our heart isn't submitted, and we need to watch that. Why? because if our heart isn't submitted, it doesn't indicate that he's not a good leader. It does not indicate he may not be a good leader, but that's not what it indicates. It indicates that there's something in our heart that's not submitted to God because if we were submitted to God, we would submit. I told my friend, my pastor friend, we were talking talking, uh, talking about this, and I said I, will, I, will, I said I was thinking about doing this, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it, but I am going to do it. Uh, I am going to do it, and I love you. I'm going to give you three reasons, ladies, why you should submit to your husband not to every man and person that walks around but to your husband everybody said number one because God said so number two you got it because God said so can you guess what number three is? but I don't agree with how he do stuff. what was number three? ooh I'm going to need, all. it's cold in here. Submission requires another party who may be equal in essence to submit to the authority of another for singularity of vision and forward movement and security of the unit as a whole. It doesn't mean, ladies, because you submit to your husband that he is smarter than you. It doesn't mean that he's better than you. It doesn't mean that he has more worth and value than he does. But it does mean that God placed him in a position of what? Authority. I could stand out in the middle of the street right now and cars would blow past me on Campbell Road or they would even roll me over. But if one of these people came by and gave me a Royal Oak PD uniform and a badge and I stood out in the middle of the road and I did that, what would they do? Why? Had nothing to do with who I am. Has everything to do with the authority in which I represent. And the man represents the Godhead. He represents God's authority. Marriage is a representation of God in the body of Christ. We're going to get to the fellows later. When is their turn? I didn't write this. Paul put this first. So we got this is where we're going. And then we'll get to the guys in a second. But it's important to realize authority because two visions cause division. Die means two. Two visions cause division. Progress will cease where there is division. How do you know? In the book of Genesis, you look and there was a group of people, God told them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And they said, We're not gonna do it. What we're gonna do is do what we wanna do because we liberated now. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna build us a tower that reaches heaven and we're gonna do whatever we wanna do. And God said, you know what? They all on one accord. I know how to fix that. Because if I don't, they'll be able to do it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to confound their languages so they can't communicate. And I'm going to make sure that they have division among themselves. And when they can't communicate, communication is the number one cause of divorce and marriage. Did you know that money and communication? When they can't communicate anymore, then they will be weakened and they will disperse. There can't be two visions in a household. Well, I don't agree where my husband is taking the house. Is he saved? Yeah, but I don't agree with it. Well, it's too late. You married him. If you don't agree with his vision, what's that say about your choices? You didn't ask him that before you married him? Because two visions creates division, which means nobody progresses. This is not popular I'm very well expecting some emails or some or something from somebody, not from y'all, but this is going on, on podcasts, and that's fine. Don't email me. You can email the Bible. Email the author. How about that? I'm just I'm just reading what's in here. Let's go to Mark chapter twelve, verse twenty-five. What does that say? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given. That's the wrong scripture. Let's go. I'm sorry, but let's go to Mark 3 and 25. I put the wrong scripture in there. Let's read. What does that say? If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. I know how successful a house is. I don't have to listen to the husband. I can listen to the wife. If she's always degrading him. If she's always belittling him, calling him stupid, saying you can't get nothing right and all that, you're not going very far. Because she's not submitted. And I don't care how much she says she's submitted to God, she's not. Because you can't be submitted to God and not submitted to the one he placed over you. If you can't say amen, say Ouch. But here's the thing. It's coming to the fellas in a second. Ladies, you're not going to be hung out there for yourself all night long. You're not going to be hung out there. But what, the, what we know and what Satan knows is that a house divided against itself cannot what? Stand. And in order for us to function the way God has called us to function, we have to work in what? Order. And it's willful. You cannot make a lady submissive if you marry somebody and they're not submissive you just out of luck you just got to pray because you can't make somebody submissive that's not submissive so you're all you just gonna have to deal with the fact it's gonna be a second through prayer and love before you get where you're going because you can't get very far with two people headed in a different direction robin can you come here for a second i want to show you something I want to give you a visual of something just so you can see it. For the people on the podcast, they won't be able to see it. But I, I want you to see what I'm saying, that she's coming from this way. So if my direction is to go this way, and Robin is my wife, she didn't know she would, I was going to do that, She pumping her ass stuff, I'm sorry, <laughs> and we lock up arms, but Robin wants to go this way, and I said, God's vision for my life is to be a pastor. I prayed about it, our family needs to go into ministry. And Robin says, But I want my career and I want these things. It's not that her career is not important. It's not that, that I shouldn't support her career. But if she puts her career over following in order with the vision that God has given us, I'm headed this way. She headed that way. Guess what we're doing? We're going around and around in circles, and we're not making any progress. Have you ever been in a space where it feels like you and your spouse are going round, round in circles? Y'all been arguing about the same thing for 30 years? It's because somebody is not in line. You can go. Thank you, ma'am. But if you just fall in line, God blesses what? Order. Sometimes you don't have to do anything but get in order. doesn't mean everything will go perfect that that once again i need to put this in here just in case there's some kind of over overly aggressive chauvinistic type of alpha male that god didn't make our worth more than the female he didn't make us more than the woman and we're going to see that in a second but what i am saying is that if we're going to progress we need to be on one accord if you're looking for a spouse more than so what she likes to listen to you need to know what her ideas are about how a family should run and how about how god how she is with following you if you're following a guy if you if you have a guy and you're listening to this being cute is not enough if you think he's too stupid now to follow but he cute guess what you're gonna have a problem because you're not gonna want to follow him then and he's not gonna be cute all therefore a refusal to to submit is not a call to liberation rather a refusal to, to, to submit is a call to disaster Submission in marriage can be an evangelistic tool. Now, I want to give a disclaimer. What I'm about to read to you does not mean that you go find an unsaved person to marry. It. Absolutely not. Be you not unequally yoked to fellowship with believers. What Paul is about to show us, or Peter is about to show us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1-2, is if you were both unsaved and you got saved... And all of a sudden now you are saved, but you have a husband that's still kind of a heathen. Let's read that. First Peter chapter three, verse one through two. Let's read it. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without word. Let's read that again a little bit louder. Let's read it. Go. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence for their life that submission can be evangelistic. One of my Bible professors in college, he, he told a story. He was a missionary, uh, and he told the story uh, of, a, of a young lady, and she was a, it was in a day when they had wagons to go to church, and she loved the Lord, and she loved church. And one day her husband told her, I don't want you to go to that church anymore. She didn't pop her neck. She didn't yell. She didn't scream. She didn't do any of that. She said, okay. She stopped going to the church. But every Sunday, there was a tree out in the pasture, and she would take her kids out to that pasture, and she would still read her Bible, and she would still pray, and they would have church there. And you would think, she said, he can't tell me what I'm doing. I'm going to make his eggs a little extra crispy on the side, and I'm going to burn his bacon, and I'm going to burn a hole. She didn't do any of that. She began to get nicer to him. And the grumpier he got, the nicer she got, and this is a true story, until one day he came up grumpily and said, mm, I'm going into town. And because I'm going into town, I'll ride the wagon. You can ride the wagon. I'll drop you off at that church you're talking about. He did that. And the next Sunday he said, I'm going to town again, and I'll drop you off. He did this for several times until one day they realized that when he was dropping her off, he was sneaking back looking through the window and, get, and got saved because of how she treated him. And her submission broke him down and won him over to Christ. How can it be that I'm negative and nasty to her, refuse for her to go to church, but she still serves as God? She does what I say anyway, but at the same time, she's still loving to me. She's still caring to me. You're not responsible for how people treat you, but you are responsible for how you treat them. I'm not in another disclaimer. That's not an excuse for people who are in abusive situations. That's a completely different thing. But what I'm saying is sometimes we are asked to do things that aren't necessarily what we agree with. They aren't necessarily what we feel is like the best. But if we will trust God, it's up to God to change a person's heart, not us. And sometimes submission can be evangelistic. Let's look Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. I gotta hurry up and get to y'all, Brother Dave, while I still have time. 23 and 24. Let's read that. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is Savior. Let's go. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Let's keep going a little bit farther. Husbands, we're going to stop. Stop before we get there. I want to do this last little part, and then we're going to get to the husbands. Y'all kept reading. You're like, I'm ready to get to them. You, you were on us long enough, uh, but we're going to get to them. We've got some great stuff for, for both of you guys. But I wanted to read this note that I put down as I was studying. It says, the church does not get to change its vision or mission, although sometimes its members do try. Christ has a vision that he set for his church, and we as the church don't get to change it because we feel we know better then he does do it. Although churches do try, we try to allow what he won't allow. We try to do what he says not to do. We try to do what's politically expedient and we try to let politics run our biblical biblical, uh, compass instead of letting our biblical compass determine our politics, all these types of things, but God doesn't do that. He's called us to submit to him so we do not have the authority to reset God's agenda. He is placed in order in society, and no matter how much society strays from that blueprint, we are called to minister through following the blueprint. What do I mean by that? Although that might not be what the culture indicates, although that might not be popular to what should be done, do you not know that if you have a family unit that is not perfect, there are no perfect families, but that flow and function in a biblical way? That other people can be blessed by that because they'll see the order and the harmony. I've been in groups before where we, we, we've gone somewhere in church groups and uh, previous church groups. And I've seen sometimes some ladies, and it's not being funny to those ladies, that would ask certain people uh, uh, things and they'd be like, girl, we going out to eat. Come on, let's go. And only one person said, I got to ask my husband first. And they looked at her like she was crazy. But do you know she's the only one still married? I wonder why. The way we live, and that doesn't mean they're perfect. That doesn't mean they don't ever fight. That doesn't even mean they don't have situations. But what she is saying is, I'm going to honor this person that I've chosen that God has placed over me. And when you honor those things, guess what? God respects honor and blessing flows down. It works both ways. Husbands, you have to honor your wives. The Bible said that if you are harsh with your wife, your prayers are hindered. God won't even say, hear what you have to say until you get what's right with your wife. I'm not going to just stay with the ladies and not come to you. We're coming to you next and we we need to see. But the purpose is that if we're going to be the couple and the people and the unit God is calling us to be, we have to line ourselves up with biblical precepts and not care what the world has to say about it the world is not our example we are to be the example to the world that doesn't mean we're perfect that doesn't mean we always get it right but it means when we fall, we get back up and we follow the whole standards of what Jesus amen now let's go to verse 25 to 28 so the ladies can get some relief (laughs) guys y'all ready (laughs) let's read it I, now, I want to tell you, this is in the message version. This is, if it sounds a little, little different, this is in the message version. It's a translation. It gets the same thought across, but I love the way this one read, and so this is what I wanted to read. Let's read this together. Are you ready? Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Oftentimes, we as men... You can leave verse 26 up for a second um, because I'm going to that next. Guys, we're kind of transactional sometimes. We don't practice agape real good. We, We like rewards for the things that we do. And that's not God. That's not selfless love. Christ gave himself up for the church, and he didn't ask anything in return. So why is it every time we as guys do something that we feel like we are, we are entitled to compensation? Sometimes we can be, we can be worse than those, those ass on TV. If you took out the trash today, you could be titled to compensation. <laughs> why is that? Because And then we wonder why our wives are bitter because they'll say, you only come to me when you want something. But you should go all out, and your love for your wife, you, why are you getting mad? Because you asked her for something, but every time you turn around, she washing the dishes by herself. She washing the clothes by herself. She taking care of the kids by herself. She has no energy left, and at the end of the day, you asking, hey, do you, no, I do mine. She's tired. Being a man doesn't mean you can't wash a dish, or pick up some clothes, or pick up the kids at school. We have three children. And so I can't, it's impossible, physically impossible for my wife to pick up all three children at the same time. So my wife drops off the two that are closest here, and I get up. I don't even have to be at work that time. I get up, get in the car, and I drive the other one to school. Why? Because we're a team. Did I start that way? No, because I didn't see a model of marriage that much when I was young. And I would would let my wife do and do and do, and I would appreciate it. I wouldn't even say anything. I appreciate it. I said, man, she sure is good. (laughs) While I watched her do it. But we have to go back to verse 25 for me. It doesn't say do just a little bit. It says go all out in your love for your wife. In other words, you don't like flowers and she do. And you think it's a waste. Buy her flowers anyway. Because it's not about what you like. You buy what you want for yourself. Why wouldn't you treat her? like you treat yourself. Well, we just wasting money on this, they're just gonna die. So what? You keep feeding yourself and you gonna die? <laughs> you can't save every penny. Do some nice things, speak some kind words to her, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving and not getting. If you're not getting what you want to be getting, you probably haven't been giving what you need to be giving. Verse 26. Let's read it together. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Wow. Everything that he says is designed to bring the best out of her. So one of my points was bring out the best and not point out the worst. Sometimes we can be a little sarcastic and say things that that we think are funny and don't realize that our wives are more sensitive than we are and we'll hurt them because we think she's one of the guys and they can take that joke. Do I look good in this dress? Well, you want me to lie? We think that's cute, but you're stabbing somebody in the heart. You have to be gentle with your wife. You have to be loving and kind with your words. The question should be for husbands, are my actions and my speech designed to lovingly lead and nourish my spouse to bring to her her highest potential? I saw a sign one time that said, if you're not getting anything out of your church, ask yourself if you're putting anything into it. And if you're not getting anything out of your spouse, ask yourself, what am I investing in my spouse? Am I investing kind words? Am I investing interest in what they're interested in am i investing time when i don't want the time i don't like to talk and they do but can i learn to have a little bit of an extra conversation and be interested in the things that they're interested in not because i'm interested in the things but because i'm interested in them to help them to get to their highest potential she don't pray enough well how many times has she seen you on your knees well, let's get the family together and we're going to pray tonight but you haven't been praying at all why don't you just get on your knees by yourself for a second and if she see you get on your knees enough she might come on down and sit down beside you and start praying with you i made everybody mad. now i don't have any bodyguards love <laughs> The next thing is to create a culture of giving rather than receiving. Let's go to Matthew 20 and 28. We're almost done. Let's read that. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, in other words, he said, love your wife like Christ loved the church. This is what he came for. He came to what? Serve. Christians should be here to serve. You shouldn't be saying, can you get me the remote all the time? Every now and then is okay. But nicely, you should sometimes say, I feel comfortable right now. Can I get up and get you some water? What would you like for me to do for you today? How can I serve you? When we come to the church, the church should see, sinners should see us saying, how can I serve you? Submitting one another, yourselves to the Lord. Luke 10, 45 says the same thing. So we're going to go to 1 Peter 3 and verse 7. I know this is a sensitive topic. My toes hurt, too. Everybody, let's read. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayer. Although the woman is the weaker vessel, her shoulders aren't as broad. You think with logic, most times she can be very smart, but sometimes emotions will tend to control her a little bit more than you. But guess what? In Christ, there is neither male nor female, bond nor Jew, Greek nor fee. That uh, free, that doesn't mean anything about the social order. What that means spiritually, y'all on the same level in Christ, but you hold different positions. And God will hold you accountable for how you treat them. If you don't serve your wife... You definitely can't serve other people. The husband must treat his wife the way he would want to be treated. This calls for a conscious effort. Doesn't happen on accident. You've got to willfully submit and you've got to willfully treat other people like you want to be treated. The husband and the wife leave the visions of their previous households and become unified in the purpose that God is calling them to. Where do you get that from? Right here. It says in verse 30, or a little bit above, verse 29, After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of one body. For this reason, a man will leave his wife leave his father and his mother don't leave your wife and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh it don't matter how mama and daddy raised you daddy's not the priest of your house anymore he is it don't matter what mama and daddy told you you're not accountable to them anymore you're accountable to her Mom and daddy had their time to carry out the vision for that family. Now, you have a different vision that you have to carry out. And you can only carry it out if you are unified and in harmony, just as God has created harmony. And I don't care how much you try to run from it. You see people get married three, four, five, six times. And if you get rid of one that can't cook, you're going to find one that can't clean. If you get rid of one that can't handle money, you're going to find get, get one that comes in late at night. Everybody's got a problem. The problem most times, now sometimes it is honestly because somebody's too selfish to change and, and, or somebody's in an abusive relationship. That's different. But many times people keep hopping from place to place and marriage to marriage thinking that this is going to make me happy when the truth is the problem is the, the other person. The truth is the problem is on the inside because we got what? Baggage. God wants us to be a power couple. I pray this sparks us as men. I said us, not you, us, as men. To be better husbands to our, our, our wives, and, and if you don't have a wife yet, to prepare yourself to be that one. To dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Communication, Peter says. In other words, you should study your spouse. What size shoe does your wife wear? Would it hurt to show up one day with a pair of shoes you know she's been looking at? (laughs) What size clothes does she wear? What's her favorite color? What's her favorite flower? Would it hurt to do that sometimes? I know you hate Hallmark, and I hate it too, and all the stories are the same. But would it hurt, my wife's chuckling, would it hurt you (laughs) to sit down every now and then, and sacrifice a little of your time to make her happy. Doesn't always have to be big things. Sometimes it's the little things. I know he's messed up a thousand times, ladies. But he's still yours. And if he loves God, if you don't follow him, it's not him you're rebelling against. It's God. God's not telling you to leave your husband. God's not telling you not to listen to your husband. That's the devil and foolish pride. I don't know who's listening to this today, but I feel the heaviness from this series and from this. I didn't know who was coming today. I don't know who's on, on the stream back there today or who will be listening later. I'd, these just go in order. But we can't be mad at God for not having the life we don't want when we don't follow the instructions that He gave. The goal is for us to take this and not walk out of here feeling like we're two inches tall. The goal is to say, if I feel a little hurt in my feelings, thank you, God. You're giving me another chance, I can do better. His word is here. He didn't send, He didn't come into the world to condemn us. He came to give us life. And sometimes that life comes through some pain. COVID shot, the second one, I barely felt it. But that first lady, she didn't know how to give needles. It was painful. There are medical machi- procedures that are painful, but they will save your life. But they had to cut out things. That don't need to be there. I ask you tonight as we close. What is God speaking to your heart? Don't think about what, who could have been here or who should have been here to hear this. What is he speaking to your heart? What is he speaking to our hearts? Let's pray. God, thank you. thank you for your word thank you that even in correction and even in loving guidance god you grow us you help us become who you're calling us to be and lord i pray for all of those who are considering marriage or those who are in marriage god that we accept the truth and we make some adjustments in our lives so that you can be glorified god help us to deal with those things inside of us God, and lay aside every weight and everything and every sin that easily besets us so that our marriage can be an example of your union with your precious bride. Lord, we thank you that we're your bride, and I pray that we live in such a way in our marriages that we honor that today. I know we won't give it perfect, but God, as we fall, give us the strength to get back up and make it right so that you can be honored and your kingdom agenda can go forward. And our marriage will be an example. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If that helps you, give God a hand clap of praise tonight.